Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. And I titled this message, The Road to Emmaus, and I want you to go to the book of Luke, chapter 24. We're going to read this popular story that has to do or that takes place after Jesus resurrected. How many of you guys know that death couldn't hold him? The grave couldn't hold him. He resurrected. And as you guys know, on the third day, it was Sunday morning, just like today, women woke up really early, among them Jesus' mother. They went to go check out the tomb to see what had happened, and they wanted to go see Jesus. And when they got there, to their surprise, the rock was removed. The huge stone that was placed in front of the tomb, it was removed. And they saw an angel. They saw a young man with white garment. And he said, why do you seek amongst the dead he who lives? How many of you believe that Jesus still lives? So they went and they ran and they told all the disciples about what they had seen. Because it was pretty shocking. I mean, they were expecting to see a corpse, somebody that was dead already. And they, all of a sudden they see an empty tomb. What does this mean? It was just so crazy. And when they ran to tell the disciples, the disciples couldn't believe. They thought they were crazy. This is a story that I want to share with you after that happened. And it's a story about two disciples. And maybe you guys can relate a little bit in your own journey about what happened here. Everybody with me? Luke chapter 24, verse number 13. It says, now behold, two of them. Everybody say two disciples. We're traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened about Jesus dying and now about the women coming and they saying that the tomb, what in the world's going on? They were talking. So it was while they conversed and they reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you guys are having with one another as you walk? And why are you guys sad? Then one of those whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only weirdo? I'm sorry, that's my version. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things that happened here these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Mighty indeed. And word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is a third day since these things happened. Yes. And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And then he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. If you have a subtitle in your Bible now, it says, The disciples' eyes opened. In verse 28, we're going to read a little bit more. It says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. Come on into our house, for it's 
toward evening. It's getting dark and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? This is a powerful event that the scriptures share about Jesus resurrected. And it's one of the few stories that all four of the gospels share. You have some gospels that share some stories and then some stories are in two gospels or in three and not on the fourth. But this is one of the few stories or one of the few events where it's taught or shared in all four gospels. And it reveals two things. I want you to pay attention. This story is important because it reveals two things. Number one, something about who we are. It reveals something about who we are as individuals. And it reveals something about how Jesus can open our eyes to see him for who he really is. I can guarantee you there's people here in this room that you're going through situations and you're asking God to do stuff and you can't see that Jesus is right in the midst of the situation. Now, sometimes it's not about just coming to church. It's about being able to see Jesus. So that's why this story is so important. And you guys are seeing as we go along. The road to Emmaus, it's a literal road. But it also represents a journey that every single one of us are in. We're in a journey. They were going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And if you read the scripture with me and you paid attention to what we just read, it's a seven-mile journey. Seven miles is pretty long when you don't have a car. Am I right? I remember I used to set my odometer at zero when I used to leave my house going into the old location, 6050, and it was exactly 7.5 miles. So imagine, it's like going from my house all the way to church, walking. It's a pretty, pretty long path. And these, these two disciples were traveling on this literal road. It's the story of two discouraged disciples on their way from Jerusalem. You see, you could be a disciple of Jesus and get discouraged. All right, nobody said amen, but I've been discouraged before. You could be a disciple of Jesus. You could be serving God. You could be doing all the right things, coming to church, and still be discouraged. How many say amen? Come on, if it happened to these people who walked with Jesus tangibly and physically, it could happen to us. One of them, his name was Cleopas. A lot of people say that he was Jesus' uncle, the brother of Joseph, which was Jesus. I don't know if you would call him father, but you know, you know what I mean, Mary's husband. But it is also the path that each and every one of us decides to take when, number one, we didn't realize that Jesus walked with us every day of our lives. When we came to Jesus for the first time, we thought that God was far away from us. Some of us even thought that God didn't want to be with us because we were dirty, because we were sinful, because we messed up, or because we've done things that we're ashamed of. But we realized that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So there's nothing too wrong that you could have done that he doesn't love us. So this is also a way of seeing our own journey while we were traveling and going on about life and not understanding that Jesus was with us, protecting us. How many of you guys have seen evidences of God protecting you even when you weren't a believer? Raise your hand, even before, right? You think that God just came to your life when you accepted Jesus? No, he's been calling you. The Bible says he knocks at the door of our hearts. He protects you. You don't even know all the things that God saved you from, right? 
Then we later understood what the Bible said about him, about Jesus. We began to know him personally. When we came to Jesus, we opened our heart to him and we said, God, from this day on, you're going to be my savior. And we turned over our lives to him. We started seeking him. We, we understood and we got a grasp of what it is to know God intimately, right? And we take advantage of that because there's so much power in that, in knowing God personally, not just through secondhand, right? Or through what other people tell us. And finally, because we are witnesses of what we have experienced. So I want to share with you four quick things that I picked out of this story. And number one is Jesus is looking for you. I want you to put your arm around the person. Don't just tap him. Come on, give him a nice little hug. Come on. Some of you guys just finished eating and you guys are, right, a little bit too full. You know, maybe some eyes start trying to shut. So just shake them up a bit and tell them Jesus is looking for you. These two disciples knew Jesus. Check it out. This is so important. These two disciples knew Jesus. They walked with him. They saw the miracles. They saw everything that Jesus did. They probably were there when he resurrected Lazarus and did these amazing things. But they didn't recognize Jesus. You can know so much about Jesus. You could live in the church, serve every single Sunday, and still not recognize Jesus. And still not recognize that he's walking next to you. And still not see the glory even in the midst of tribulations and seeing God work in the midst of them. You know, you could be discouraged all the whole time and Jesus walking next to you. They had walked with him, seen his miracles, even heard him announce his death, but they couldn't recognize him. A few years ago, I read about prosopagnosia and I shared it with you guys years ago. And it's actually a facial blindness. Is a cognitive disorder of face perception in which the ability to recognize familiar faces, including one's own face, self-recognition, right, is impaired while other aspects of visual processing, like object discrimination and intellectual functioning, such as decision-making, remain intact. They just have something that they just can't see a face and remember the face. I guess I suffer from that uh, in a very small level because I'm very bad with faces. But I went on YouTube and I saw this lady. This lady took a picture of her daughter. And two minutes later, they got the picture. It was a Polaroid, right? They got the instant picture once it developed. They got that picture and mixed it up with three pictures of other strangers. And two minutes later, she couldn't tell which was the picture of her mother. So th this is pretty serious. Now, I don't think the disciples were suffering from that. When it's saying that they walked with Jesus as they were, you know, I could picture them walking in this seven-mile trip. And they're talking about all these things that have been happening the last few days. And, and Jesus comes, and now it's three of them, and Jesus walking amongst them. They can't recognize them. And I don't think it's because they couldn't recognize the face. I mean, one of them was even the uncle of Jesus. I think that sometimes you can go through life remembering all the scriptures and still not recognize that God is with you. You can have the remembrance, but lack the revelation. Sometimes you remember all these things. You can remember scripture, but sometimes you don't have the revelation that he's standing right beside you right now. That's why sometimes we come discouraged to church instead of coming with praise and thanksgiving because we're going through stuff and we're doubting that God is with us. But didn't he tell us in the word that he'll never leave us alone, that he'll never abandon us? And you see, sometimes we're so easy to criticize and say, well, these fools, I mean, Jesus is right next to them and they can't see him. What is wrong with these people? Come on, why are they even in the Bible? Well, they're in the Bible because you do the same thing. And we do the same thing. And I do the same thing. And sometimes life can hit you in a way that you don't realize that God is with you.
and that he's walking with you and he's for you. So don't judge him. Tell the person next to you, don't be a Pharisee. (laughs) Don't judge him. How many times have we done the same? They had a preconceived idea of who Jesus was and what he had come to do and how he would do it. They even told him when they were walking with Jesus, if you read carefully, that no, we were expecting this Jesus to come and become our ruler. He was going to be our king. And we were going to kick all the Romans out of here and he was going to establish his kingdom and he was going to reign forever. He is the son of David. And they were thinking that God was going to come with this political and social agenda. And Jesus came and he humbled himself and and he just went beneath all their aspirations. But in the end, there was so much greater what Jesus came to do. They just couldn't see it. Sometimes God works in your life in a way that you didn't expect, but what he's gonna, the end result is going to be greater than what you do expect. How many say amen? You just have to open your eyes and trust God. And in verse number 21, we can see it. It says, but they were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. So this was his expectation. Let me ask you something. Maybe you have some expectations today. And because those expectations haven't been met, you're thinking that God is not for you. But man, God is working up something even greater than what you can expect. If you could just trust them and go in deeper and don't just settle for remembering God and, and getting secondhand access of what God says through a pastor or something and go into the presence of God and allow his revelation to show you exactly why you're going through what you're going, what is the purpose and where he's taking you because everything that God takes you through, it's always for his glory and to get you even more blessed on the other side. How many of you believe that? Can we give glory to God for that? Yeah. So these people were hoping that Jesus was their king, that he was going to redeem Israel politically, but when things didn't go as they thought, they stopped believing. Maybe you're doubting God right now. Right there where you're sitting, maybe you're just having doubts, and why? where is God in the midst of this? If he was with me, then he'd be doing this, but I want you to... I want you to know today, I want you to know tonight that Jesus resurrected and he is with you. He is with you. Thank you for, even if you don't shout, I know I'm preaching well, I know I'm saying something that's godly. Jesus is with you right there where you are. He's walking with you. Before they left Jerusalem, these two disciples heard the testimony of the woman that had found the empty tomb and an angel asked him, you could, you could read it, it's in the same chapter, in verse 5 through 7, it says, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. This is the angel telling the women really early, before dawn, when they went to go see the tomb, and all of a sudden they found the stone, and they were like, oh my gosh, did somebody steal the body? What's going on? They went inside, and the angel's having this conversation with them. Now, could you imagine what that is like? I mean, an angel having a conversation with you? So many things happening in this small period of time and first Jesus died and now Jesus is not there and now an angel speaks to me and what in the world is going on he's telling them remember remember how he spoke to you remember remember what he's declared over you JTP church I'm telling you God wants you to remember what he's prophesied over your life remember what he's told you through his scriptures that's why you can't go a day without reading his word he's constantly speaking to us and he wants you to know what he says to you He is not here but risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. 
And if you read later on in verse 11, the Bible says that their words seemed to them like idle tales. These women, when they heard that, they ran to where all the disciples were, Peter, John, all these disciples. Remember, they wanted to kill him too. So they were all in the same house, and these women came. And when they told them, look, oh, my God, Jesus is not there. I, must have. I mean, they were crazy. These people were probably just getting up, the disciples. And then all of a sudden, it says that their words, the women's words, seemed to them like idle tales, like if it was a story. You ladies are crazy. What do you mean you didn't see anybody in the tomb? We just, we put them there. We rolled that stone that couldn't be rolled unless it was with 10 men. Are you crazy? And you saw an angel and he told you what? So they started thinking or their words to them seemed like idle tales and they did not believe them. I want you to write this down if you have something to write with. Lack of faith is a veil that doesn't let you see answers that walk beside you. God always has an answer. And sometimes the answer is walking right beside you. But when you have lack of faith, keep in mind that these two disciples that are walking now, the seven-mile road, they were there when they were in the house and the women came. They were part of the bunch or of the group that didn't believe what these women said. And now they have unbelief in their hearts. They don't believe what these women said. They don't believe that Jesus resurrected. And therefore, they couldn't see the response to the situation that was walking right next to them. Maybe you have a situation going on in your life and you can't see that Jesus is right next to you with the answer. It's just your doubt. It's not allowing your eyes to see the revelation. And you need to start believing. How many say amen? Where are my faith people here in JTP Church? All right. So naturally, point number two, once we understand that Jesus is looking for us, the second thing Jesus does is he opens our eyes. Everybody say he opens our eyes. Verse 27, it says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Look what Jesus did. Keep in mind, it was a seven-mile walk. How long does it take a person to walk seven miles? About an hour and a half, you think? That long? It's pretty long. So seven-mile walk, and Jesus starts talking. He saw them. They were so discouraged. And Jesus like, man, what's going on with you guys? Why are you guys so sad? Well, haven't you heard? And the Bible says that Jesus, from Moses to all the prophets, Moses to Malachi, every single prophet, he started giving all the scriptures of everything that was prophesied about Jesus, that he needed to come, that he needed to suffer, that he would die a, a nasty death but it was going to be for the good of humanity because that's going to give us salvation and that's going to give us remission of our sins. Amen? So Jesus starts talking with these two gentlemen from Moses to Malachi, all the prophecies and how it was necessary for him to come and die for our sins. Today, a lot of people have different views or ideas of who Jesus was. Some people say Jesus was a prophet. Some people say that he was a wise teacher. Others say that he was Or he is one of the ways to get to heaven because, you know, every road leads to Rome, as they say, right? There's there's a lot of options. I've heard people, when I speak to them about Jesus, tell me, well, yeah, God has many names. You just call him however you want. Some people call him Buddha. Other people call him. I'm like, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. There is one God. There is one God. And there's only one way to get to God. It's through Jesus, his son, who gave his life for us, right? So some people think that he's just one of the ways. The truth is that you can't allow yourself to be led by what other people say about Jesus. You have to know for yourself, right? 
We talked a little bit about this last week. You remember when you go through a situation in your life, when you see the power of God in your life, and it sets a foundation of who you are in Christ and your faith, whereas anything that you could be going through later on, you can revert back to that situation, the, the opening of the Red Sea. Well, God delivered us from the Red Sea, so he's going to deliver us from this. So God marks us in a way that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's with us. The only place you will find the truth is in the Bible. Come on, tell the person next to you, you better start reading it. Because that's the only place where you find the truth. The scriptures will open your eyes to who Jesus really is. I read a devotional this past Friday morning uh, that stated this. Uh, the empty tomb authenticates the truth of the Bible. The empty tomb, the fact that the tomb was empty and that Jesus was no longer there, it authenticates that the Bible, that the scriptures are truth. It means that what the Bible says is true. It also authenticates Jesus' claim that he was who he said he was. Amen? Romans 1.4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So check it out. What it's saying there is that he became the Son of God. It was evidence. It was proof that he was the Son of God by what he did because he resurrected from the dead. Not just dying because a lot of people died for a good cause. You know, I, I don't know what caused Buddha, how Buddha died or Muhammad, but I do know that Jesus died. He is the only one who survived. He is the only one who resurrected and is still alive today. Come on. That's enough to give him glory in this place. Declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, or from the dead. Outside of the Word of God, there's no genuine witness of who Jesus is. The Scriptures tell us the truth about who Jesus is. And that leads me to point number three. I want to talk to you a little bit about Jesus revealing himself. I believe with all my heart tonight, or this afternoon, rather said, on Easter Sunday, what better day for God to reveal himself to your life in a true and real way. I'm not talking about a religious way. I'm not talking in a mystical way. I'm talking in a personal way. I think that there's people that have been coming for days or weeks or months or maybe even years that you've walked along Jesus and, and, and you've seen stuff because you come here and you hear the testimonies of God doing stuff with other people, but you just can't recognize that God is with you. And today he wants to reveal himself in a way that's going to blow your mind. How many believe that? He could do it. He could do it. And I'm believing that he's going to do it. In verse number 30 and 31, it says, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. Everybody following me? That he took bread, he blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And at that point, their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. You know, it caused my attention when it is that Jesus decided to be revealed or reveal himself to his disciples. And the Bible says that they were walking a seven-mile road, a journey of seven miles. Somebody here said it probably was an hour, an hour and a half long. So they were talking amongst them for a pretty long time. But it wasn't until it got dark, they finally got to the place of their destination and they opened the door and they forced Jesus to come in because it was late. Back then, it's not like here that we have cars and we could, you know, just get into our cars and we're safe and we could travel at night. It was dangerous to travel at night from one city to another. 
And they forced, literally forced Jesus, come in with us, come in. And it wasn't until they were in a place of intimacy that Jesus revealed himself. The reason why Jesus hasn't revealed himself to us is not because he doesn't want to. Sometimes we haven't broken bread with, with the Savior. And sometimes we haven't let Jesus into our house because all we have about Jesus or all we, all we can relate to Jesus when we come to church. But then we have our Bibles that we don't even open in our house and we have our rooms that Jesus wants you to make his sanctuary there. Build an altar in your room where you draw God's presence and where God could come and break bread and start telling you, look, I am Jesus. And, and I think that there's so much substance in this. And I think there's a revelation here because you can be walking with Jesus. You could be seeing miracles. You could be even talking to him in the company of people while doing other things. But sometimes God wants you to give him quality time. You know, I'm all for, how many of you guys pray while you're driving? Raise your hand, for example. Okay, how many of you guys cook here? Any chefs? All right. How many of you guys pray while you cook? God, please don't let me burn this food. Not that type of prayer. We pray, and I'm all for that. I think we should, the Bible says pray without ceasing. And, and the only way we could do that is when we include God in everything we do. You know, sometimes it's just worshiping and just having thoughts of gratefulness as you're working, as you're studying, as you're, uh, I don't know, in school. But don't get me wrong. I think that every single person needs to have their moment, their devotion, where you don't give God hand-me-downs or, or don't share God's time with cooking and with driving and with doing this and showering and, and say, God, this is your time. And you shut off your phone and you shut off your tablet and you disconnect from the problems that you have going on and you say, God, this is your time. And I think that's what Jesus loved. And that's when he revealed himself to these people. And they started breaking bread. And the Bible says that their eyes were open. And they're like, it was Jesus. And he vanished. The Bible says that he just disappeared. Keep in mind, he had resurrected. So he had a glorified body. But he was still flesh and blown at the same time. And we'll see it in just a minute. And these people, once Jesus did that, it says, let me go back here. In verse number 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Look at verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So their hearts were burning while Jesus was talking to them, but they were so busy walking and worried with their problems, they couldn't see who's walking with them. What has you worried today? What has you so caught up in other things that you can't take time to break bread because when you do God's going to start revealing who he is and why you're going through what you're going through and what he wants to do in your life amen God wants to fill this place up in the 3 p.m service in the next couple of weeks and he has a strategy but he's waiting for you to break bread so that you could connect with him and he could show you how to be an influence to people because we're saved here or every Sunday, 3 p.m., I, I see most of the same faces and they're people that have come to church. But how are we influencing our outside world? How are we sharing the good news of the gospel with other people? And trust me, God could do just a miracle and just cause this whole place to be filled in just a matter of a week. But don't be looking at me. God's not going to use the pastor to do it. He's going to use you to do it. Thank you for your amen. I heard it, Heidel. Thank you. I appreciate it. So... Are your eyes veiled this afternoon? I want to speak to you about the last point 
on the previous point. Let me just give you a few verses. If you have something to write down, because it's interesting. It, this wasn't the only occasion when Jesus revealed himself and people finally understood that it was Jesus in the intimacy of a home. If you go to the same chapter, verse 41 through 43, and we're going to read it in just a minute. Also, John chapter 21, verse 9 through 15, and Acts chapter 1 through 4. You see Jesus revealing himself to people in the intimacy of their own home. You, you need to make sure you have an altar in your house. You can't settle for what you receive here. God wants to speak to you personally. I mean, God blesses corporately. God speaks to us. I love worshiping here with the worship team and coming here with multitude of worshipers and just praising God and, and, and just... You know, jumping for joy and declaring and giving offering. It's good. But your most precious moments with God are going to be when you're alone in your house. That's when God's going to speak to you personally. That's when you're going to connect with your calling in a very specific way. Because even though you're part of a church and even though we're part of the body of Christ, uh, you have a specific function in the body of Christ. And you can never be fulfilling your role unless you're connected to God in intimacy. Amen. Jesus reveals himself to those who have learned to taste and see that the Lord is good. You need to taste and see for yourself, for yourself, that the Lord is good. The minute that you recognize Jesus, he disappeared from the sight. Why? Because intimacy with Jesus is not dependent on your senses, but in your ability to believe his word. Faith. To believe. Man, it was Jesus. Jesus walked with us. And that leads me to this last point. And we're getting ready to celebrate Communion service today. I think it's something beautiful to do that. Celebrate what Jesus did for our lives. But this last point, I hope and I pray that it shakes you out of your comfort zone. How many of you guys give me permission to shake you a bit? Raise your hand. I, I want to see your hands. Okay, and the rest don't. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Because look, this story doesn't end here. It's not just about them. Oh, it was Jesus all along and Jesus disappeared. Poof, and that's it. End the story. Something supernatural happened and this is the point where jesus challenges us to share who he is with others when your eyes have been open you're going to want everyone to see what you have seen and i love what these people did why did they let jesus into their house anybody because it was what it was late right it was late it was dangerous to get out the bible says and we're going to read it now the minute that Jesus vanished, these people, they didn't care how late it was. They didn't care how many, <laughs> how long they've been praying. They didn't care that they just came from a seven-mile trip walking, all right, for an hour and a half. They didn't care that they were hungry. They said, we have to go tell the other people. And I think that once you have a true relationship with God and God reveals himself to you because you're breaking bread in the intimacy of your home with the Savior, Man, you have to tell the world about it. And these people did exactly that. Could you imagine the joy that these two disciples had when they realized that Jesus was the one who was breaking bread with them? It's like, my gosh, this, this is so familiar. This is like the last feast, the last Passover. Their encounter with Jesus shook them and they couldn't shut up about him. And they went to go see the people. Look in verse 33. It says, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Everybody say that very hour. They didn't wait. They didn't need time. They didn't need their pastor to tell them, oh, go evangelize. Uh, we're going to do a connection. No, no, no. They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. 
And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. So there was the 11 disciples and other disciples that were there with them. And they started saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, as they said these things, as they're telling this to the 11, look what happens. Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, yo, I'm here. <laughs> he said, peace to you. So these people are super excited. They're coming and they're going to the room and they're telling the 11 disciples, my gosh, you guys wouldn't believe what happened. And they're probably, what are you doing at this time? Weren't you guys going all the way to Emmaus? Why, why are you guys here? And it's like, no, it's just that we were walking and somebody came and we didn't know who he was. And then we let them into our house. He broke bread and it was Jesus. And as he's giving this recount of what happened to them, Jesus just walks right through the, the wall. And he comes and he says, peace to you but they were terrified wouldn't you be come on they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit and he said to them why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have when he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet verse 41 you guys with me but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, you guys got any food here? So they gave him a piece of boiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in front. I can imagine the disciples like saying, what in the world? This guy just walked right through the wall, but now he could eat and he has a digestive system. Like, what in the world? And he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding. I'm believing God that tonight or this afternoon would be a perfect moment for God to open your understanding. Yeah. For God to reveal himself in a powerful way to you, more than what you've known in all the years that you've been here coming to church. God wants to do something fresh in your life if you would allow him to. How many say amen? God wants to just take you to another level. He wants to reveal himself to you in a way that you haven't understood him or seen him as that. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. These people, they couldn't take what just had happened and kept it for themselves. And I think that's a sign of when people are breaking bread with Jesus and having intimacy. I think that one of the things that the church needs today is cool off on the church entertainment and cool off on, on other things and start breaking bread in your own homes. Because sometimes we're a very good show artist up here so people could see us. Sometimes we don't have a life of intimacy and, and all you're doing is just playing a game. And, and there's no substance behind what you do. It's just, right, it's just singing songs or it's just coming and, and showing people that you know how to lift your hands and maybe shed a tear. But when you break bread, the Spirit of God starts revealing His goodness, 
revealing his plan for your life. And I could imagine that one of the things that Jesus told them once they opened their doors and they started to break bread with him is like, look, you guys thought I was going to come in a different way. But look, you guys don't understand. I'm coming, not in the way you expected, but what the end result is going to be is a lot more powerful than what you can ever comprehend. And here we are standing 2,000 years later talking about what happened that day, talking about and giving God thanks because 2,000 later, there's still people that are redeemed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's still people that believe this story that's much more than a story. It's, it's the truth. It's about Jesus Christ loving you so much that he gave us life so that you won't have to die, so that you can live everlasting life. Stand on your feet, JTP Church. I want to ask you today. Are your eyes veiled this afternoon? And if they are, would you like to come in the house and allow Jesus to reveal himself to you? When you see Jesus... And when you break bread with Jesus, you don't have an issue telling your friends. As a matter of fact, you can't, you can't keep yourself from not saying something to your friends. Your neighbors about his goodness. Some may even call you crazy. They called the woman who saw the empty tomb crazy. Even the disciples didn't believe him. But I want to let you know, I love something the apostle said this morning. You are the pastor of the school where you are. You are the pastor of the neighborhood where you live in. You are the pastor of the family where you are in. For every unbeliever that's there. And you're the person that God's called. And if you don't have intimacy with the king, I mean, you're not going to have much substance to share. But when you got to know who the Savior is and the power of the Savior and the grace and the love of the Savior, you can't help yourself but to drop everything you're doing and run and tell people about the goodness of Jesus, about the fact that he is the hope for humanity, about the fact that he is the love that people are seeking in so many other diverse places, which are lies. But when you have the truth, you can't stay silent. You have to speak.